tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, 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 we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. And welcome to Timfall Hat. You know I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Yes. Back in the saddle, he didn't die again, just doing his coyote drug muling. That's his side gig. You know, sometimes he's got to, you know, pay the bills. Welcome back to the show, Xavier Guerrero. You're right, this one. This time it was to Denver. I had to do a little business down there. Did you do some stand-up, or what'd you do? Ah, just some Sam Tripoli stuff. Okay, I like that. I don't even know what that means, but I'm in. Okay? What decade of Sam Tripoli? Yeah, that's, really- what, that's a great question, Johnny. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, his Vegas years. Oh, oh shit. Okay. The early Danger. years. Danger. You know, uh, uh, it's very interesting. I went through different phases. My Coke phase was until 2000-ish. That's so, 30s? What are we talking? Yeah, like... Late uh, 20s, 30s? Probably, yeah, man. Like, uh, er, like late 20s. Early 30s. Early 30s, yeah. It was just all over the comedy store. Why not? Uh, on the ones and twos, the gnome is the love of my good friend and yours, Johnny Woodard. Big show today. This is a cool one. Big fun show, man. Yeah. Getting religious, dude. Yep. Getting religious, man. And, uh, you know, so guys, real quick, I want you guys to tell you about I'm going to be live a- at Cleveland. I'm going to be in Cleveland October 23rd, Friday, October 23rd at 9 p.m., uh, just Google it. Uh, I, I will have all the links in the description. Pickwickandforic.com. What's that? Pickwickandforic.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then November 11th through the 13th, I believe that I am in Philly at the Helium in Philadelphia. Please come join me. They're both going to be great shows. This Sunday, I'm doing a live uh, Zoom show for the United States and Europe. Italy, huh? How's these jokes going to go? What <laughs> jokes am I going to talk about? I mean, everything. I, I'm living Groundhog's Day, so I don't even know what, what I'm going to talk about, but should be fun. Join me. The link, again, is in the description or go to any of my social media or my website, samtriplee.com, and you will find it. Um, t-shirts are on fire. Go to, t- go to timfallhattshirts.com, and you will find all all the great T-shirts, man. We got raging and uh, raging on behalf of the machine. Got the we new have, one, the swarm. We, the swarm. It's up there. Have you seen it yet? No, I it's, haven't seen it's it. It's rocking. It's rocking. It's flying it's, off the shelves. Uh, people, the people love it, man. So uh, it's a great way to support the show, guys. So what else do we got, Johnny? I I I, I want to start breaking up the announcements, so not all yeah same announcements every time. So I think that's it, right? Did I miss anything? Sure. Broken Simulation Patreon is on the screen right now, if you want to check that out. Patreon.com slash Broken Simulation. We're recording on Thursday. It'll be up on Thursday there. All right, man. All right, man. So, uh, great show. We have a demonologist on, and a, a, a good friend returns to talk about these nasty, these, they're not, what, what do you think they are? They're demons? They're Oh, he they're had a name for them. Uh, molters. 
Yeah. Because of molters. We're going to talk some molters. Serial Guys, killers. enjoy the show. I love you very much. Good morning, Swarm. Uh, you know, he was on the last ep- uh, 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 an episode earlier, and he's joining us again. He's my good friend. He is a Reiki practitioner and teacher. My good friend, Paul Dion Jr. How are you, Paul? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me back, bro. It's good to be here. Anytime. You're one of my favorite people in the world. You've done so much for me. Anything I could ever do, I'd love to pay you back. And you're uh, a wonderful guest to have in on this uh, topic today. So thank you for joining us. Uh, We got a very special guest joining us via the power of Zoom. He is a religious demonologist and an author. Please welcome Nathaniel Gillis. How are you, brother? Doing good, sir. Thank you guys for having me. This is going to be a a fascinating subject to talk about. Now, do you have a movie coming out or do you have a project coming out? that? uh, Yeah, it's a book. It's due out the end of the month and it's called The Skin That Crawls. The skin that crossed. Hoping, Tell us a little yeah, bit about it. One day it does become a movie, so maybe one day. <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, this right. sounds like something right down the line of what Netflix has been cranking out lately, right? <laughs> hey, man, I'm here for it, brother. I'm here for it. So but, tell, us, um, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, it's my very first book on demonology. It's going to kind of connect UF, the UFO abduction phenomenon with exorcisms and possession cases. Um, I'm one of those researchers that that is a proponent of what's called the unified field theory. So I believe we are dealing with the same creatures, the same species and entities. And so in the book, I I go from Genesis 6 and Nephilim all the way through the D-book in the 16th century. And I kind of just tie all the loose ends together and hopefully add some, some more value to my discipline. The more and more I do this show, the more and more I realize we live in a very special place, mm-hmm. and there's some wonderful stuff, and there's some dark shit. Yeah. There's ahead. some dark, dark energy, right? Do you deal with that at all, Paul? I do. Absolutely. Especially with you know the day job that I have working with drug addicts and alcohol, excuse me, alcoholics. We deal with some dark stuff on, a, on the daily. I mean, that's why they call it spirits, dude. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I mean, I, th- there's mental issues out there, but there's. I think people are possessed, man. When they get all, uh, when they get all whacked out and they're on the streets, mm-hmm. I think, I think they got demons in them. Um, you know, I've I've listened to a lot of Nathaniel's podcasts, and he, you know, brings up some really good points as to um, why uh, that type of darkness affects, you know, drug drug addiction and alcoholism the way that it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude. Yeah. You, you know, the, the thing I've learned on this show is like when you, when you open yourself to spirits, you don't know what's going to step in. 100%. Exactly right. You don't know what's going to step in. It's not yeah. all, it's not sunshine and blue skies. It's all not, it's all not puppy dogs and pigtails, no. man. Especially when you got like a voice in your head telling you that you, you probably should die. Today is a good day. Yeah. And that's like, Whoa. and that's a lot of what my own personal experience was with, was you know having that voice in my head telling me that you don't belong here anymore. So let's get into this, man. So tell uh, me, who is the Nephilim? Nephilim is just a term. It was used to describe death or people who died. So what I do is I, I study the word, but I also look at what's called comparative etymology. 
And so one of the words that we have to look at is the Nephilim. But we have to also remember that when that passage was written in the Bible, they, they did not have vowels in the Hebrew language. And so when you take that word and strip it of its vowels, what you have is the Hebrew word for unexpected pregnancies, abortion, and stillbirth. What? Which is what is exactly, that word? I'm sorry? What is the word when you strip just, it up? It's just niffle without vowels. But it's, an ex, it's really it refers to the fact that when these entities in Genesis 6 first manifested in our world, they didn't just get women pregnant, but they wanted to make sure that the child was born deceased. Dead? Wow. Right. See, these, okay, so let me back up here. I grew up in the Christian tradition. And so what I thought was, you know, that Genesis 6 was about fallen angels who, for some weird reason, fell in love with women. And then for another weird reason, somehow they had um, male substance, I guess, semen to procreate. And the more I dug into this research, the more I discovered the fact that um, they were not fallen angels. They were disincarnate entities who were looking for re-embodiment again. And so what they did is they did exactly what an incubus does, where in Genesis 6, it literally says that they, they took wives. And they went in unto them. Now, what really grieves me is the fact that there are many different takes on it. There's many different books that explain this this narrative, but all of them disagree with each other. They have in academia what's called meaning-bearing inconsistencies. Some books blame it on the women being beautiful. Other books blame it on the angels being too lustful. But there was one proponent that was missing in all of this, and that is, how could they procreate with women? Does it make sense? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a big theme that we see with, uh, whether it's aliens, uh, high-frequency, low-frequency uh, entities. Mm-hmm. They just want to get in that ass, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's just like, that just seems to be it, man. I don't know what it is, but, you know, Greek gods hooked up with uh, immortal women. Uh, right. It's just like... The womb is very powerful, man. Mm-hmm. It is a very powerful thing. Very interesting that they wanted to procreate, but they wanted to come back. They wanted the baby to come out dead. That's it's chilling, it's and it chilling. gets even. It's so wrong on so many levels. But um, see, one of the books that I came across was what's called a. It's a Coptic manuscript preserved by Egyptian monks, and uh, it's called the Apocryphon of John. And in this, the author actually details how these, these entities manifested. And it wasn't just, okay, they took wives out of themselves, but it says that these entities showed up as these women, as these wives' husbands. So imagine a woman is laying down one night, and she looks and sees what appears to be her husband, and that husband coerces her into intercourse. This is what Apocryphon of John says. It's remarkable. And then once that entity, that incubus, gains consent, or whatever you want to call that, actually, with that woman, at the moment of conception, those, these entities stared into the faces of these, these wives and then Im- immediately, simultaneously reversed their image 
into what they truly looked like. Now, in order to understand what they're doing here, we have to think like them. Because that right, the the act of staring into the face of a woman at the moment of uh, conception, it's what's called an obstetric tradition. An obstetric tradition was that whatever the woman is focused on with her eyes, she will birth the material image of through her womb. Crazy. So what these entities did, guys, they're, they're not fallen angels. These are disincarnate entities who are looking. They're not just possessing spirits. They want to possess a body that looks like their apparition. So, so they're, not, they're not fallen angels. Where are they from? They're disembodied souls. What does that mean? What, I, what, I, what, what, what is that? Um, somebody, to... okay, so they're also called the Rephaim in the Bible. And the Rephaim is just deceased ancestors. It's literally people who've lived and died, and for whatever reason, they're stuck in this dimension. And so they're what's called in academia, they're called liminal beings. Liminal is being, or beings that are in between worlds. And so what they're after is re-embodiment again. We would call it demonic possession. And, but, but the difference is it's not transient in nature. This is what Malachi Martin, the, the Catholic exorcist, would call perfect possession. When, and so, uh, when you say re-embodiment, how were they embodied in the past? Uh, uh, as as mortals, as human beings. As human beings, okay. But were they were they good people or bad people, or are they just somebody that couldn't pass to whatever through, depending on what I, you believe in, to the other side, through the matrix, to the light, uh, to heaven, to hell, whatever you believe in. Is there a reason why they're stuck here? Because they were bad people or they just got stuck here. Now they're like, fuck, I got to get I got to get out of here. Okay, so check this out. Um, According to my research. These entities, it's almost as if when they molted, because I call these entities molters. When they molted their body, they were stuck in between worlds. And it was as if somewhere that that ethereal next dimension that they learned a different value system, a different currency, and, and, and something that's completely alien to us in every way. So, so to answer that question more specifically, the, the entities that I've encountered, because I've had murder cases where these entities have possessed people, these entities have a serial killer pathology. They're incredibly intelligent. They will kill with, with impunity. And they'll, they'll, they'll come in and they'll come out. And so, so these entities, I mean, if I tell a lot of people in my interviews, if you sat across from them and had a discussion with them, you would feel like you're in the presence of a serial killer because they're, it's, it's almost like they're psychopaths. And so, so I mean, what, what more of a, a psychopathic nature? I mean, they literally kill babies, just inhabit them. So, so, so that's the, yes. why, so they want to, uh, they want to procreate. But why do they want the child dead if they're trying to come back? They're necromancers. Mm-hmm. And so what, what they is? do, I'm sorry. Uh, I was asking Paul because he said, uh, do you know what that is? I do. Necromancers. What is it? Okay. Um, a necromancer will inhabit like something that is dead. That. It's reanimation is 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 their whole 
mo. I've met a few of them. They're not. They're not pleasant. No. Yeah. They're. They're. And that is. That's why. Like um, when I was listening, and just to get to know you and your in your podcast, um, I did relate to a lot of that. Um, that there's real darkness. Darkness in the world, and really understanding that uh, that kind of evil what it would take to uh, possess a person, what it takes to get that person to do something they normally would not do. Right. Um, I don't want to jump ahead, but you talk about grooming, um, the grooming process. And that is something that we see. There's many ways to do that. How do you groom somebody who's dealing with drugs and alcohol to kill themselves? Exactly right. Do you know what I'm saying? Wow. Exactly right. Yeah. Wow. The, the, the narcissistic nature of these entities, it's quite telling. And they do love bomb. Uh, they'll manipulate, especially women. Uh, they'll manipulate and, and try to move in on their victims. See, to answer your question about suicide, and especially within the context of possession, before we conform to them, they conform to us in the stage and process of grooming. And so the whole purpose of grooming us is to give us thoughts that are theirs and to a point where once possession happens, we cannot tell the difference between our emotions and their emotions, our thoughts and their thoughts. And at, at that point, that entity will wear their victim like a skin. It will gather its memory and its presence into one body. And that entity will not do that unless, unless he wants to act upon something. And if he wants to act upon something, then you're going to see a different manifestation. That person will not have the same memory, the same value, and many times not even the same language. So to, to kind of to summarize, possession is necromancy. And, and when we see possessions, what we have to understand is we're watching memory in motion. And, but whose memory is it? That's the, one of the fascinating questions. It's so interesting, dude. It's so interesting. This is like, so are they trying to come back so they could go to the next thing, go to get out of the purgatory that they're in? In do a they way, actually want to? Uh, do they want to escape this realm? Or they don't want to die. They do not want to die. These entities. See, we have to understand what the ancient under. I guess the ancient idea of a soul was you have an external soul, which is the body. Then you have an internal soul, which is the spirit, essentially. What they're trying to do is they're trying to recreate what's the, the external soul, essentially a body. They do not want to die. And so it's almost as if I'm going to say this. It's almost as if these entities that are transient in possession, it's almost as if those are the young in that dimension. So it makes sense. Like they're the new ones. They're like putting people on trying to figure out how to work a body again. Those are the lesser, in, like, they're, they're of lesser intelligence. They're not the ones who are, are incredibly smooth. They're the people many times who are biblically illiterate. Now, the second entity, the motor, um, it will literally, and this is what the historical texts say, they'll, they'll snatch you up out of your sleep, kill you. They'll, uh, matter of fact, in Ezekiel 13, Yahweh is warring against these necromancers, and he called them soul hunters. So Yahweh, uh, that is Kanye West, right? No, that is, uh, <laughs> that's, Jesus, that's Jesus, right? Is that who he, we're uh, talking about? Yahweh is uh, God the Father. Okay. 
God, yep. it's so interesting. Well, when you when I'm sorry, when you say that they don't want to die, what it, what if they don't manage to reincarnate? Uh, I mean, right. are, 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 will they expire? Uh, I mean, what what does death mean when you're in that liminal space? Basic, basically, what's called annihilationism. You no longer exist. And it's, it's in the Bible, they call it also the second death, where both souls, the external soul and the inner soul, they die. It's just non-existent. And so what we're witnessing is a form of self-preservation. And with that, well, with that have, second death in, in, the Christian, uh, in Christian theology, would that be the judgment? Is that what we're talking about there? Um, essentially, yeah. Okay. And so if you're good, you have an afterlife. If you're not, you're just non-existent. So these entities have a serial killer pathology. Is it okay to go in this direction, guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do. Okay. I don't want to. Okay. I'm loving it. Whatever. So check this out, man. The weirder, the better. <laughs> Dude, it gets, it gets pretty nuts, brother. Guys, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Blue Chew. That's right, Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, okay? Dude, listen to me, man. They're trying to kill human beings, and the only way we could beat Bill Gates, all these lizard people, is to make more of us. My good friend Xavier Guerrero is just going around the country, blasting away. He actually called the TSA and was like, can I bring Blue Chew on the plane? And guess what they said? Boner pills are good. Okay, good to go, dude. That's what my San Tripoli run was about. So you fly with Blue Chew. You can fly with Blue Chew. That guy loves America right there, dude. Johnny, I'm going to get you some Blue Chews. You can bring the hammer to your lady, dude. Okay. I'm loving it, dude. (laughs) Listen, it's about to get fucking zombie out there. You're going to be able to, you have to get hard fast, okay? Because there's going to be no, like, there's going to be no foreplay. It's not, it's going to be hit it and quit it, okay? And you better get that blue chew fast, brother, or else you're going to fucking die in incel getting eaten by zombies, okay? Blue Chew's made in America. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to a doctor or wait in line. It's even cheaper than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet passing. Not mine. It says, big dick pills in my bag. No awkwardness, and you don't need to leave the house, okay? So here's what we're doing, everybody. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use a special promo code tin foil and just pay five dollars shipping again that's blue chew b-l-u-e chew.com promo code tin foil to try it for free all right it's bigger it's better cheaper and man just go to bluechew.com use the use the promo code tin foil but uh check this out man so did you know that jeffrey dahmer's favorite movie is the exorcist not I surprised. did not know that. Not Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to that trivia question. <laughs> I got the yeah, right. So, so his one of his, I think it was his only living victim, was a male. And this gentleman says that Dahmer tried to drug him, and uh, thankfully he didn't drink the alcohol that was given to him. And he said he he was walking out of the bathroom, turned to see Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer is on a couch. He's just doing this. He's rocking back and forth, back and forth, and he's speaking an unknown language. Whose memory is being manifested in that moment? It's not Jeffrey's. Hmm. Furthermore, furthermore, Jeffrey Dahmer had a knack for taking the bones of his victims, pulverizing them into powder, and fanning them in a circular motion in his in his backyard. That's a necromantic ritual. 
But how does he know that? He doesn't. So these entities are, they have what's called a serial killer pathology. They have their own rituals. They have their own symbolism. Uh, Matter of fact, it was Father Sinistrari of Amino. He was a Franciscan priest. He worked a lot of incubus cases. And there were times when he would be um, in the home within an hour of the event taking place. You guys ready for this? He would actually collect semen samples that were left by the spirit. How? (laughs) So he was just going CSI on these things and he was just scooping up (laughs) man sauce all over the place. That's crazy. Correct. Matter of fact, it was it was both he and um, Montague Summers. They both came to a conclusion in different parts of history. But they said that these entities being necromancers were milking the carcasses of the dead. Taking that essence and then trying to implant it into a living woman. They're 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 doing the same thing. We just in, in, in terms of my discipline, demonology. We just didn't realize what they were doing until maybe. For the rookie. So, so what you're saying is, are they taking another spirit or are they taking their spirit and putting it into the women? Their spirit. Oh, man. So crazy. And once they so, take over your spirit, can, can they get taken out like an exorcism? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. only a Catholic priest can do that? No. No? No. Catholicism didn't even author the exorcistic right that comes right out of numbers chapter 19 and it what's fascinating about this guys is that exorcistic right of sprinkling waters was to cleanse someone of what's called corpse defilement what again necromancy exactly right the actual exorcistic right it started out with anyone who touches the deceased touches a corpse they become polluted by death. So watch this. Remember how I told you there's two souls? The ex- there's the external soul, and then there's, then there's the internal soul. Well, later on in the Hebrew theology, their demonology changed. And suddenly now we don't just have corpse pollution by virtue of touch. Now we have corpse pollution by virtue of possession. Where that actual entity, you may have never touched their body, but that entity is inside of the demoniac. Jeez Louise. And now watch this. This is fascinating. In the, in the book of Numbers chapter 19, it talks about how you throw holy water and all, all that stuff. But in addition to that, it introduces what's called the open vessel law. This is where possession comes from. The open vessel law was the fact that when there's a corpse in the house, there will be a stench of decomposing or rotting organic matter, obviously. But that stench will also contaminate everything that's open. So at that point, scholars said, now it's not just the physical aspect of it. This is a gas. This is a rancid presence. It was called killer air. So what we experience in modernity and possession cases, it's still corpse pollution. It's but just it's is, just that other aspect of it. Is this every time somebody <laughs> dies or just when these scumbags show up? 
just when they show up. I might... And they're apocalyptic. They are absolutely, they're an apocalyptic species of necromancers, and they, they'll kill anything to stay alive. Unbelievable, man. The world is crazy. <laughs> I always bring this up, and I'm like, because you're Mexican. The Ouija board. Does, uh, can you really get possessed through the Ouija board? 100%. Yep. Really? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, consent. man. It's consent. Correct. I mean, it's, it's like opening the door and saying, hey, Ted, yeah. and you're thinking you're calling your cousin Ted, and yeah. every other Ted or anything that wants to appear like Ted shows up. It's, it's, quite, it's really, I don't even advise anybody to mess with that. Are there, they, are there ways to do it safely? No. no. Yeah, dude, of course not. Well, no, I mean, well people, I, no, people have, I came, do it. People have cl- came on here and claimed that they do it safely, yeah. that you just got to not. Ask for evil spirits, but I mean, he's How do right. You do you... that, hey, yeah. <laughs> There's like, I mean, you know, people right. say, is there anybody out there? Hey, if you're evil, don't answer. <laughs> it's the same. It's, yeah, it's the same people that are in the fucking Crow- Crowley. I mean, they all think that you summon like a, your guardian yeah. angel yeah. or whatever, and it protects careful. you. Yeah, there, there's a reason why the number one question that comes to a Ouija board is, "Let me in." Will <laughs> you let me in? Again, it's possession. So, so. One of the things that I, that I always had an issue with was why these entities are so lustful. Um, you know, I mean, even in what's called Eros and Evil, it was a book by R.E.L. Masters. And you look at the, the witches in the 16th century and, and, and the way they would make love to the demons, you start to realize that these demons weren't in it for pleasure. They had something else going on in their head. And I'm afraid that if my discipline of demonology does not understand how these entities are mutating, we will forever be groping in the darkness. So they're just basically trying to get everybody pregnant. And they're, Yeah, they're creating a social skin. And then they want that baby to die so they can take it over? Mm-hmm. Social exactly skin. right now. This is, this is crazy. So in the Apocryphon of John, it says that they begot. These women, they begot from the darkness babies, children, who looked like the apparition that was actually in bed with them. But in addition to that, it says that they created copies of bodies. This is crazy. Now, I didn't understand what this was all about because, you know, I honestly, guys, I I read a lot of the literature and we've been saying the same thing for hundreds of years. We need something new. We need new insight. We need, sometimes we even, we even need new vocabulary for the stuff. But the idea of copies of bodies goes all the way, even back to UFO abduction phenomenon. And now when you say copies of bodies, what, what does that Clones. mean? They're cloning people. They look the same. They look exactly like each other. So it's in succession. You can't tell if one was born before the other. They look exactly like each other. So now check this out. So in the Apocryphon of John, do you guys remember how I said that these entities first appeared as the husbands to these wives? Now watch this. In the UFO abduction phenomenon, there is a researcher called Dr. Carla Turner. And she wrote a book called The Masquerade of Angels. She had no idea. She didn't even speak about Genesis 6. She was going off of solely off of the, the, the data sample of UFO abductees. But she had an abductee by the name of Ted Rice. Ted Rice was abducted at nine years old. 
he told her that along with me, he said, he said, I wasn't the only one abducted. It was both me and my grandmother. His grandmother, they're, they're both in this uh, metallic room. And in, in, from the corner, there comes a hybrid entity. And he walks over to the grandmother, and guess what he tries to do? The same thing that an incubus does, right? He tries to, he tries to groom her into sexual intercourse. He, grandma? Grandma. 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 Dang, really, these demons still hit anything. <laughs> Man, it, they, they're they're crazy, dude. This is it's a species of evil unknown to humanity. But um, the, the the grandmother says, "I was a virgin when I met my husband. He's the only man I've ever been with." Hello, Genesis six, right? Hello, apocryphon of John. And she said, "I'm not doing anything." Instantaneously, from the corner of the room comes her husband, and that entity because it's what they always do, try to groom that victim, that abductee, into intercourse by appearing as her husband. So these entities That's will use crazy. their own memories against us. And to be clear, you're talking about physical entities, right? Physical intimacy. In- now, it's, it's crazy, man. It gets even deeper. And, and, and now, do they, do they appear as, as what we would call ghosts? I mean, is that kind of the same thing here? It is the same thing. It is. They're doing it on both levels here. It's, it's the same phenomenon. See, I, I tell other demonologists that these, de- these entities are not what they do. They're what they believe in. But what do, they, right? what do they believe in? Why are they doing this? Are all ghosts so, uh, these entities? No. No. Okay. There are ghosts and even some possessions that are, are benevolent. And those are what are called the Dibuk or the Dibik, where they would just possess people. And, and many of them, especially in the 16th century, they would just say, you know what? There's my body. Would you go give me a proper burial? Right. Um, so, so there are ghosts that are good. But these entities in Ezekiel 13, literally, Yahweh said those who should live die and those who should die live. This now is, we can I can go in, in many different directions and I don't want to ramble. So. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm all about that action. You know, when they say in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, they say when you uh, you pass away that these archons they appear as your family almost. All your dead relatives, all the people you love, and they try to convince you to go into the light, which would be rebirth back into the matrix. Mm-hmm. So this fits into that where they uh they run mind games on you. Yeah, they're soul hunters. I had a um a gentleman that reached out to me not too long ago. He heard me on another show and uh he actually his father actually encountered these entities. He was a remote viewer. Oh, and so man. he called these entities his guides. And uh he would lay down this is nuts, dude. This is crazy. But he would lay down, his soul would leave his body, he would go into a room, and he would see his guides, and he would have what's called like a password. He would say, you know, what's the word? And if these entities were who he's supposed to be meeting, they would say, this is the password, and he realized, okay, I'm where I should be. Well, one night, his father started remote viewing, freaked out, came running into the living room, was inconsolable, and had a heart attack because of what he experienced. He said that he did exactly what he's always done. However, he said that the entities he encountered did not know the password. 
And when they realized that he knew he shouldn't be there, he said they reversed their appearance and they changed into something what he called uh, unearthly. But the most important part about this is that when he got back into his body, he had Egyptian hieroglyphs carved into his flesh. What? What? Whoa. These are soul hunters. They do not, they, they will kill with impunity. Ezekiel, yeah, they're ancient. Ezekiel 13 says, this is crazy too, that these entities will, will slip into the rooms of their victims at nighttime. Hello, serial killers. It will, it will place them in a, in a sleep state. Then it will separate their soul, their interior soul from their body, their exterior soul, and kill them. And then take their bodies over. Right. Now, now, this is crazy, too. In addition to that, they would cut pieces of flesh off of their victims, and they would sew it onto their own corpse. Oh, come on. Now, are there consequences for the people who had this done to them, or can they still go on to like a peaceful uh, afterlife if, if they die this way? I think they, they're, they're, they're imprisoned. That's, at least that's what the text points to. Now, according to my research, I, I do not yet know if which soul is imprisoned by these entities, right? Mm. Is it the actual body that's imprisoned, or is it the actual person? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So what these entities would do— right, let me back up and say this. They're manifesting 100% serial killer pathology. They would cut flesh off, take trophies from their victims, and then they would literally make what's called a social skin for themselves. It's possession. Sounds of the lambs. Put the lotion in the basket. Chainsaw Massacre. Like that. It it also sounds like these these, uh, South American, Central American tribes you hear about who have would wear like ears of the enemy combatants around their necks, you know, right? Uh, human, human sacrifice. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I tell, I, we saw a story this week about these, uh, like a, a purportedly twenty five hundred year old uh, mummies that were discovered in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And is there any risk to touching bodies like that age? Uh, you know, if you're, you, you know, you hear about like curses on Egyptian tombs and stuff. Is that touch. you wouldn't touch him? Right? No. Let's say and that's not just because the mummy is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's real stuff there, especially with Egyptian curses. So I personally wouldn't. Hey, but let, let's say I'm playing the Ouija board and I get possessed, right, by like a serial killer demon, mm-hmm. and I go and kill a couple people and I get caught up, and I go to jail. Do they stay in me while I'm in there? Because you sometimes see like um, those locked up movies where they show like a serial killer and they they still talk about being possessed and hearing things. Mm-hmm. Are they still in there, or does the demon just dip out because he can't kill no one in jail no more? He's like, i got to go do my job somewhere else. It depends on what that entity wants. I had a murder case where um, it was a little girl. She actually had a friend, and she opened the door one night and let her friend in. The friend killed one one member of the family and wounded others. Uh, But while she was stabbing, she was laughing, and she had a male guttural voice coming out of her laughing. Oh, my God. Crazy. When I got there, when I got there, I had already, I don't know how this happened, guys, but I I could already tell where the entity was. It was upstairs in a closet. And once I cleansed the home, you could see the darkness. It was like somebody turned a light on and you could see the darkness leave the house on the walls, just gone. But after I was there about a month later, 
I was in a restaurant and I sat down next to this lady. I was at some, uh, I was at the bar, not an actual bar, but you know, at a restaurant. Um, and she's asking me what I do. Cause I'm reading. And I tell her and she goes, okay. She goes, so, so uh, you, you did that case. I said, yeah. Cause she'd heard about the murder. She goes, well, I heard about you. I said, impossible. You know, I know it's a small town, but come on, you know, she goes, no, she goes, I'm the social worker to both of them. Because they're minors. Hmm. She said, the night you cleanse the house is the night that the 13-year-old daughter came to, to me, which is the social worker, and said that I'm no longer being visited by that demon. Damn. Paul, do you deal with that? Uh, on occasion. I do. Really? But I do have a question, though. I wanted to find out about what your cleansing ritual looks like. Um. I just go in there and usually I don't want to know anything. Mm-hmm. So I work with angels. I, I, I have even before I got into the, the paranormal field. So what I do is I, I go in there not knowing anything at all. Like I had no idea. I didn't even know the murder took place until they called me in there. But I go in there and my goal is to find the entity, get names. Um, sometimes I have apparitions and people ask me if I have attachments. I have forerunners. There are times when I'll have an apparition come to me and I'm, I'm not even on a case. So I don't know where to put them. But once I get there, I'll have that information. I will locate the entity, either it's in a room by a name or whatever information I get. And then I will gather the family. It's not a seance, but it's kind of, I'll gather them into one room and, uh, I'll have my meters out and everything, but then I'll call that entity into the room. Usually it comes to me on my right side. The air will get thick. It'll get hot. Um, With this particular case, the husband, the survivor, was doing this during this cleansing ritual. But what I do is I, I have everybody bow their heads and I pray. And I ask God, I say, you know what? I can't, because I can't do this. You know what I mean? I just say, you know what? Can you help me with this? And if, if there are other things, if that doesn't work, we could do fumigants, we can do other rituals and stuff, but that's, that's where I start. Great. How is your, how, what do you do, Paul? It depends on the, on the, on the situation, uh, in my field, uh, dealing with, um, when clients come to me seeking, uh, healing, uh, I use Reiki, which is universal healing energy. Um, and there's a definite difference between, um, Sometimes somebody will come to me and they and and they're like, you know, I just I just I just feeling off. And then as soon as my hands go on them, mm-hmm. something <laughs> it's like you kick when you when you kick the hornet's nest, something comes out, uh, and you never really right. know. You got to remember that we're energy. That's all we are, bundles mm-hmm. of energy. I've talked about this last time. Is that the Eastern philosophy really did a really good job of helping us identify our points of entry, right? Where our vulnerable spots are. And and certainly it differs from person to person and mm-hmm. certainly from case to case. But when I'm going in into a home, most of the time I'll do like from the outside in. That's what I try to do. I try to clear from the outside in as I'm walking in. And what do you have? Do you say something? Are you like I'll I'll go through I'll go if there's four corners to the property. I, there are stones that I use and usually it's bla- I have it on me right now. I've got black tourmaline. I never I never leave home without black tourmaline. Why was that do? um, When you create a grid, it just helps to create a cleansing grid, especially with something that is powerful like tiger's eye, black tourmaline, clear quartz. That's create a grid as I'm, as I'm walking in. And when you get into the, uh, when I get in, when I get into the home, usually there's instructions. I usually have like a massage table with me, but 
what I'll do is I do. You said fumigants. I use sage first, and then Palo Santo mm-hmm. after. And oh. and there's you need in that order sage first, which helps cleanse, and paralyze whatever negative, whatever bad juju, whatever that is in that house, mm-hmm. and helps to create a protective bubble. I 100% use angelic presence as much as I possibly can because I every it I, works. I, it works. It 100. I have. I have the uh, seal of the Archangel Michael tattooed on my arm. How often should you clean your house? I clean. Uh, it depends on what's go- how how active it is. I I live and work in the re- uh, recovery arena, so I cleanse every day. But as if you get into that, it's also what gets into like a, a daily ritual. I have a daily ritual and a daily practice. And when I'm working with people that are having disturbances in the house, or they're having disturbances within them. Have them creating a spiritual routine, even if you're not religious, is something that is very, very helpful. That's so interesting, dude. Every like, have you ever gone to a place, got rid of a demon? And and this is to you as well, Nathaniel. Have you ever gone in, got rid of a demon, and then had to go back to the same place because another demon was there? Well, because a lot of a lot of it has to do with consent. If they're not willing to change whatever behavior that they're doing, exactly. It's then it's. I mean, I can I can go in one every week if you want, but so, if you're not willing to change that behavior, whatever you're doing that's inviting that darkness in, I mean, come on now. But is there any way? Is there any time that you've never got a demon out of there? It was set set stone. I've been here since eighteen fucking eighteen hundred. I'm not leaving. Or is it, did they always leave? There's there's always a way to get them to get the fuck out. Well, there's when, um, not necessarily a home, but in terms of when I'm dealing with a, a client that deals with addiction. And I had one, I had one client who is uh, was actually uh, um, he uh, he was a friend and he became a client and then six months later, you know I get the news that he's passed, oh. and that is because what whatever whatever that combination is between DNA genetics, um, mm-hmm. mental and psychological trauma. Uh, trauma as a child, whatever grooming process that has been happening, happened for years. I sp- I'm speaking from experience, too. Mm-hmm. From experience, there was a moment when I said, you're done, get out. And yeah. some people just can't let go of the darkness, and it takes them. Exactly right. And it's it's sad, because a lot of those people have callings, they have gifts that Ugh. they're medicating, and they're not manifesting. Oh, my God. Amen. How do you safely call upon angels? Is there is there a risk to that? You know, getting someone who's not an angel? How do you know when you're doing that? I've never, I've only worked with one angel and some would call him a warrior angel. And he's, he's been around since my youth, man. I had a friend that died and um, I went to go, my dad's a pastor. So like about 10, 15 years ago, we went to go pray for him. And I just told him, I said, you know, I just feel to tell you that my angel's coming and that, that he'll be with you. And uh, this particular friend had sugar diabetes and uh, he was in the hospital because they took half of his leg off to help heal a sore. Oh. That night, he had a dream. This is nuts, man. This is how we, this stuff is real. He had a dream where he said this, this tall white man, he had a, a white linen gown on. He said, I couldn't see his face. He says, but I was, he came to me. He said, and he said, I was on a beach. There was nothing but crystal clear water in front of me. And he said, I kept trying to look up to see his face, but I, for some reason he wasn't able to. He said, but he picked me up and told me, Derek, I'm going to take you to a better place. And then he began to take him into the crystal clear water. 
So I, re- I remember to this day, I remember him calling my dad in. And so we went to the hospital and met with him and he's crying. And he's like, you know, pastor, he goes, I don't know what this means. He's like, I, I don't understand it. And so we kind of just, you know, we gnawed on it, thought about it for a little bit. And then two weeks later, he passed away. Mm-hmm. So that angel did come to him. This is crazy, man. So, but, but more or less, man, I mean, what, I, what I'm trying to do in my research is it's, it's, I just want to know what they're doing. I want to know how they're mutating. They are an apocalyptic species of evil. We've never seen them in any movies. They're far darker than man's imagination. They're not even, as, they're not even serial killers. It's like it, These entities eclipse any known evil we've seen because they're not just evil, they're alien to us. Do you think that even, they are um, low, like from a different dimension, maybe? Whatever dimension they're operating in, it's death. Do they know they used to be human? Yes. They do. And, were, yeah, and, they, have a, and they were evil. When they were they human, were, like the you know the that Rockefeller that just mm. passed her, or John McCain, right? You know, it's like doing scumbag shit. Imagine getting possessed by John McCain. Oh, that'd be the worst with his little <laughs> chicken wing, dude. Man. You know, so, and that because you know the whole theory is that you know it's like this is a realm, I believe, and we are here to learn the what the universe has to learn what God has for us mm-hmm. and whoever your God is, you believe that I have my own God and all that stuff. And you know, and there are, there are entities like some people think that where we live is the lowest level of heaven and the highest level of hell. And there's just a battle wow. between That's good and evil. Mm-hmm. And these low frequency demons are trying to, pull us down, pull us in. And there's mm-hmm. these people that kind of, um, they get lost in this realm and they, they, they choose greed mm-hmm. and pain and, and, and they be, become psychopaths. You know, most of these politicians who've been bombing every country all over the world just for profits, right? These people sell their souls. And this is probably what happens, man. They probably pass on and they don't want to go to hell. Right. So they want to somehow figure out a way to stay here and possess somebody. It's, it's a chilling phenomenon. And I, I want to say this real quick, because we were talking about the Nephilim. I know, I know we've been everywhere on the subject today, but there's a particular character. Welcome to tinfoil hat. <laughs> hey man, I love it, man. I'm, I'm here for it, Bob. But, uh, it, there's a reason that the Bible called these entities Zamzumim. Specifically, it was the Amorites. They're the ones that called these entities Zamzumim. Zamzumim is not a concrete title. It's not a real name. What these people did is Zamzumim was the word that sounded the most like the language these creatures have in the language they used to speak to each other in. So that was their way. Zanzumim sounds the closest to the language these species wow. communicate in. Now, it's a buzzing sound. It's a frequency that we don't know yet. Where it's undiscovered to us, but that's the way they communicate to each other. And so I will stress this to everyone. There are two different kinds of entities here. You have an entity that's transient in his possession. He's operating off of memory, right? He's going to have his own language preference. 
Some's Latin, some languages, you know, some cases are, are you know, Hebrew, Greek, whatever. These serial killer entities are, have eclipsed that microcosm. They don't even speak like we do. And so it's that language that I want to know about, because I guarantee you, when we go into hauntings, we're experiencing, I mean, we're already experiencing corpse pollution, right? Yeah. We just didn't know what it mm-hmm. was. We smell it all the time. Mm-hmm. But they're operating in a, new, a different dimension. And so, so I guess my point is that I, I, I do believe that we are picking up frequencies that they're using to speak to each other in. We just don't know it. Isn't it interesting that we celebrate Halloween with haunted houses? <laughs> And then right. you guys go into these real haunted houses, yeah. and it's like, it ain't a holiday. It's not a holiday. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind I of... S- I stay in that day. It's kind of <laughs> interesting because, like, if you take a look at St. Patty's Day, right? Yeah. St. Patty's Day is really about a genocide. It's really about St. Patrick was sent to, you know, to rid Ireland of all these snakes. Well, Ireland is too cold for actual snakes. Reptile, reptiles. The snakes were the pagans who celebrated ancient knowledge. And, and the Vatican sent them in to take them out, dude. You know, it's so interesting how, what we pick and choose to get angry about and what, what we kind of just turn into like holidays and <laughs> Hallmark cards and stuff like that. Well, Monday's Columbus Day. People yeah. freak oh, the fuck out about that. Some people love it. Some people freak I'm the Italian. fuck out. I'm Italian. I'm like, get rid of the holiday. F that holiday. Let's celebrate yeah. Mickey Mantle or there like uh, Joe DiMaggio. Fuck. <laughs> screw. Like Excuse my holiday. language, sir. But, you know, screw Columbus, man. Screw Columbus. But it's interesting. I want to ask both of you guys uh, well, a couple things. One, uh, what are the different kinds of demons that are out there? You know, you mentioned there were two of them. One is th- this transient, and one is the above it. Are there a different kind of demon? Uh, uh, different kind of dim- dem- de- demons out there? I just got possessed right there. <laughs> uh, well, if you're going to ask me, I would say that there's two kinds. There's, there's your entity that is your serial killer entity. Then there are entities that are evil, but they're nowhere near that level of power. Uh, but you have what's called a debuk, the debuk. In the 16th century, there are people who, they didn't possess people for malevolent reasons. They just possessed people. Many times they would solve their own murders. So the demon demon, it's legit. That's your, that's your PhD serial killer. Now, the, the, there are other entities that are also disincarnate, but they're not demonic in that sense. And that, that would be my answer. Um, I, I differ a little bit. I certainly, okay. I, I certainly do think that... Um, uh, Nathaniel's explanation on a lot of it makes 100% sense, at least uh, t- to me. But, uh, you know, in my experience that I very much believe that there is a higher intelligence of malevolence, right. uh, an origin, a point of origin for these things. So certainly if you take someone who's like a Jeffrey Dahmer or that serial killer pathology, but there's something above that right. that's organizing, uh, organizing as we have like a, uh, celestial presences like angels and there's there's something else out there on that other side that is not human um yeah but but, right so but it's but like that's the only real difference i it's uh it's i think that having more minds on this subject that crosses faith 
right? Like there's a lot that I that I've learned from Buddhism. There's a lot that I've learned from Hinduism. There's a lot that I've learned from First Nations. I think that every walk of faith has something to offer when it comes to fighting evil. If they've got an army, guess what? So do we. We get an army too. It's very interesting. Sometimes when you're walking down uh, L.A., obviously, you see uh, the homeless on Skid Road, mm-hmm. and they start talking to themselves, and they're moving a little weird. Are they fully possessed? Or is that just another type of type of demonic possession? I, I have my own, philosophy, my own philosophy on that. I mean, certainly when you take um, the poorest of the poor that are dealing with the elements in such a chaotic and destructive way— Right? How do you like? How do you wear somebody down? Like, how can someone? They've got all these resources. They've got all the. Why, why are they choosing to be homeless? Why are they choosing? Well, you know, it takes a little bit at a time. I know dudes that are on one hand, they're just surfer guys. They live on the street. They get like a monthly check and they're cool. And then you got like two tents down, somebody that is just riddled with uh, catastrophic trauma, speaking in other languages that are schizoaffective and that are just being eaten from the inside out uh, and it's it is it's really tragic and you can feel that darkness when you walk through that at least here in la anyway I, you know it's sticky it's sticky it's like you have to go home and take a shower to get it off of you. It's, it's yeah a crazy thing. you know have you ever heard of um dr jerry marzinski no no he's a clinical psychologist and uh, he works with people who are supposed to have um mental issues and yet he works with a lot of people who they became mentally insane because of the drugs they were using. One of his cases, this is incredible. He had a, a man who was a business executive who had a, a successful job. He had a happy marriage. He had kids. He had good credit, was making good money. But he uh, became addicted to cocaine. And when he, be, when he would go on cocaine benches, he would land in the mental, uh, a mental asylum and he would be hearing voices. And so one day he decided to get clean. And so he went clean for like two months. And um, ne- next thing you know, he's back in the mental asylum and he's, you know, on cocaine again. And so J- Dr. Marzinski said, you know, tell me exactly what happened to you. You know, he said, you know, you're doing re- you were doing really good. You had finally kind of resolved your marriage and got everything together again. What happened? And he said, well, he said one night, he said, I was clean. I was watching TV and I heard a voice tell me. Get in your car and drive. So he got in his car and drove. Is that nighttime? He said, so Dr. Marzinski, I went to the light and the voice told me to turn right. This is incredible. This is how sick these entities are. He said, so this, this voice is telling me which direction to go. He said, finally, in about tw- like 20 minutes later, he said, I'm in, a, in the middle of a cornfield. And the voice tells me to bend down and pick up that black duffel bag. No way. What? He picks up the black duffel bag, opens it up. It's a kilo. There's cocaine in it. Jesus. So these entities are incredibly intelligent. And they're sick. And drug addiction, uh, substance abuse, is a way they groom their victims. It's Mm -hmm. one way. If it's not that, it's suicide. Mm-hmm. It's self-murder. It's, it's, so that's another uh, aspect to this. But when you were talking about that, it, it absolutely brought, brought to my mind Jerry Marzinski. Mm. You know, th- it's very interesting because when you get 
into recovery. It's all spirituality. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. And it makes me laugh because the people who are not in recovery that make fun of recovery tend to be atheists, which is very interesting. I know a couple people who are atheists. Who me too. Are always ripping on the program. And it's just, it's just very interesting. But, you know, if we're going with the, these demons are possessing people, right? They answer spirituality, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And that's why like recovery is so great because it's like whatever religion you want, whatever spirituality, whatever God you need, do that. Well, you know, I'm reminded of something that Dr. Martin Luther King said. He said that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate mm-hmm. cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that is something exactly. that has been a part of my life for years. Another good friend of ours says, first one to love uh, first wins. And mm-hmm. that is, and if we had more of that, you want to like look and see like people from all walks of life and all different types of faith and all kinds of economic and sociological background walk into a twelve step program, right? And 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 see the light come back into people's lives yes. and come back into people's hearts and see. Yeah, I mean that's the that's one of the best ways to shut these things down. Exactly, exactly. They will step into every void within us. Mm-hmm. So every crevice, they'll they'll possess it. I'm not sure if we discussed this already, but I I, I want to ask the question: Are there characteristics of somebody that is more prone to demonic possession? Are there signs that maybe something's going on, or you're in a bad situation that you could you could oh man you could look for that maybe try to help yourself right. get out of that situation that's the attachment stage uh it's not an accident that these entities in ezekiel 13 were taking flesh off the off of their victims and attaching it to themselves that's the attachment that's the whole purpose of an attachment now to understand that concept we have to go back to the earliest pictorial tradition of a dibic. the word dibic simply means to cling to in the picture is an old man with a cane, and on his back there's a skeleton with a black cloak. That entity's disincarnate, and it's attached to that person. At that moment, that's what I call an exterior entity. It's in that grooming stage. I had a girl that came to me when I was at a restaurant. For some reason, these people find me at a restaurant, man. But I had a friend that knows what I do, and so he brought this girl to me, and uh He's, she just said, you know what? She goes, my, my best friend needs your help. And she said uh, that her, she's, her best friend was living with her grandfather. And she said, but the house was haunted. And that one night, a demon chased this grandfather out into his front yard. The grandfather had a heart attack and died. Unbelievable. And she said, so my best friend is afraid to go back into the house. Naturally, right? Naturally. While I'm talking to her, I see this black cloud just just descend and nestle itself on her back. The atmosphere changed, and I said, uh, there is a girl here that does need help. And I said, but it's not your friend. I can help her, but I think there's more going on here than, than meets the eye. I said, I just watched an attachment of suicide rest on your shoulders. When I said that... Mm-hmm. It was like a bomb went off. She began to shake, 
and she just began to bawl. She put her head in her boyfriend's lap and just began to cry like a baby. And I'm looking at him. I didn't expect that to happen, guys, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to help this this girl out and try to get through these issues. When she gets back up, I said, you know, tell me about what's happening with you. I said, because this is killing every relationship in your life. I see it driving a wedge. And I said, "I, I see you hurting yourself. Her hand was shaking. She held out her wrist, put my finger on what's called the scarification of this attachment, where about six months prior to that, she had slipped both of her wrists. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Now, you ready? This is unbelievable. When I begin to dig into this entity that was attached to her, and I begin to speak to its emotions in her, I begin to give her consent back. Because that entity was laying on top of her like a garment, and it's conforming itself. It's stepping into her skin, right? So after we were done, I said, so who is this grandfather, this this familial spirit? It was a grandfather. He killed himself in 2014. Oh, my God. So watch, watch what this entity did. It had silenced her into submission to a point where she didn't even know how to cry out for her help. grandpa was doing this yes Fuck it was an attachment dick. now we're still in our in the research we're still trying to figure out if that was intentional on his part or if it was just the fact that he was attracted to her and was around her i don't know i do know that it was an attachment because it manifested in suicide so, but what that entity was doing, this spirit, this grandfather was doing, is it was, it, was, it was silencing her into submission to the point where she didn't even know how to scream. And so when she came to me, she was looking for help for a girl, yes, with the grandfather. Yes. Damn. That's how these entities is, work. Is that kind of so when you get sleep paralysis, wow. is that when a demon's on top of you? Wow. It could be. Uh, I have had a, a case of an incubus. It was in, I experienced it myself. One night I was sleeping and in the dream, uh, there was a shadow figure. It was a woman, but she was on top of me. It wasn't anything sexual, but it was, she was almost like choking me. And so I knew it was a demonic attack. I knew it because I felt it. It's just, there's a certain. Because what you're mentioning know, is exactly how sleep paralysis feels. You're just there, can't right. scream, you're awake, you kind of just kind of. St- and so I'm like, it's kind of creepy because it happened kind of often. I'm wondering if I should sage the house. Yeah, do you have, do you have the experience of a, an entity though? Because I get it a lot too, and I've mm-hmm. never had the entity experience. XG. Do you? Right. No, no, I don't. I, only Spanish and only Spanish and English demons. is the only sp- <laughs> only languages you that come out of my mouth. Bad demons. I, I only get it if I sleep during the day. Yeah, it's making you sleep. Yeah, I don't know. You're That's possessed, Yeah. Damn, now, man, we got to get saged. Do you have any uh, examples of where like it got kind of crazy? Either one of you, Paul? Yeah, yeah I do. I'll let him go first. <laughs> um, you know, before I really knew um, what I was like, the abilities that I was given, before I understood what... Um, uh, clairvoyance or clairsentience, anything having to do with uh, the more empathic abilities. I heard the word empath growing up, but I didn't understand what it was. Um, <clears throat> I had an experience with, in a church, uh, I was involved with the youth group, and this was a fundamental Christian church, and a group of us were downstairs, and all of a sudden, uh, one of the young girls started flailing around, and there was nobody else around but us. So that was uh, what I 
come to understand very quickly is that she was going through, um, she was showing symptoms of demonic possession. And there was no adults there, so we had to handle it. Wow. And that was, and not, un, and I didn't tell anybody for like a long time because I was like, you know, you're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> and uh, what, what I come to understand now is that she had played, her and her sister had played with a Ouija board. There we go. Did you and feel extra strength? Because they always say they're like super strong and she you can't was, hold them down. She was literally four feet tall, and it took seven of us to hold her down. And, um, but one name worked. One name worked. Yeshua, Jesus, that worked. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's something that, that crosses, um, every time I encounter it. You don't believe Jesus is a shapeshifter, right? We had that conversation. Honestly, I need to watch the episode, Sammy, so I can't speak to that. Okay, I was just I talking about my that. ass. I respect that. Um, I but, respect you know, that. but in, in the practice that I do now, understanding where these points of entry uh, come in. If you're looking at energy points within the body, uh, you know, the crown chakra, the third eye, and uh, the throat. But especially the throat comes up a lot because that feeling of not being able to be heard, not being able to speak your truth, they want to be, you want, there's something that wants to choke that life out. Also the back of the throat uh, that right. back of the neck, how like how we see the world is really the front view. How we think the world sees us is the back view of our energy points within our body. So what do you think they're going to do? They're going to come from behind and choke you out. Heart, the strongest, the strongest source of unconditional love, right? So many people that are, have these experiences are throat, back of the throat, problems with the back. And that kind of paralysis can't move. And that's, I mean, because if I was a psychopathic entity, that's how I would do it. Exactly right. Um, There's a guy out there, his name is Joseph Ben Shalom. He was a Kabbalistic rabbi. And he said that demoniacs are like a wind instrument to them. Hmm. Because they're wind entities, they're air, that's their spirit. And so what they'll do is they'll possess and they'll use us to amplify themselves in terms of their voices Mm -hmm. but uh i mean a lot of people ask me okay what's the craziest experience you've ever had it hasn't been in cases it's been in the haunted house that i grew up in um there was one night i was playing video games and i just out of the corner of my eye i saw something that was moving but actually behind a window and i'm looking over and there is this seven foot tall shadow figure that's just watching me it was in the wintertime. The next day, I went outside, and in the snow, I saw two footprints. But my windowsill was like seven or eight feet. Um, wow. I would wake up, and I would <laughs> I'm sorry? That's awesome. That's crazy. It's crazy, right? I mean, that threw my demonology out of the – I mean, no pun intended, out, out of the window. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> how can they be physical like that? I mean, I, I, w- I had um, an entity that would walk on the wooden floor at night and displace its weight to the point you could hear it creaking all the way up to my door. Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot to this, this research, but, I, you know, it's not good enough anymore to just say, okay, I downloaded an app on my phone, and I'm a demonologist. These entities are playing by different rules because they're playing an entirely different game. There's an app for that? <laughs> Johnny, there's an app for everything. Is there really an app for that, or is yeah. it, was that just a figure of speech? Just well, they download. It's apps that say, okay, you know, they. It's like an EVP getter, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
yeah, is the EVP, EVP also dangerous, like like similar to Ouija? Not so much. Not, Not so, so much. much. Okay. Johnny, it's an app where you and your demon can connect. You swipe right, you swipe left <laughs> with your demons, right? <laughs> I'm a succubus. <laughs> now, did you, real quick, did did both of you guys one. grow up in a, a religious household? Was this in you early? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> Um, you know I'm a love addict when the only thing that gets me to church is a girl. So when I was like 12 or 13, I went to start to go to my friend, uh, my best friend's church only because there was a girl there. So that's how I kind of discovered that that's my first entrance into spirituality and Christianity was, was through that. So, um, it, it took, it, it took a while. But you, you didn't. Now, uh, Nathaniel, did you grow up in a religious household? Yes, yes, I did. I grew up in Pentecostalism, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was not allowed to wear shorts. I couldn't watch movies. It was strict. I mean, it was strict. That was one of the reasons why I just kind of abandoned it because I like a good cigar and. And you like to wear shorts once in a while. Yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, my God, right? I'm Leviathan over here. What are you doing wearing shorts? So I grew up in that kind of tradition, but I I also grew out of it. But, yeah, that's what – it was fun, but it really didn't add much to my my research. So uh, are you a religious man? I mean, are you a a, a man of the cloth? Are you – or you just like – I feel like you're like – the man in black. You two guys are the man in black of uh, <laughs> demons and stuff. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very interesting, man. And I believe all this stuff. I think there's so much more to the world mm-hmm. and people just don't realize it and they don't open themselves to it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and even when there is proof, like something gets caught on camera, they just th- dismiss it. Yeah. And I just think that we live in the, a very interesting realm. And there's a lot of battles for it right now. Battles for us, we're very special. People are very special. And we're mm-hmm. told that we're not, and we really are. Mm-hmm. We're very special. You see all those hunting shows. Do you think they just put those out to dismiss everything else? Because sometimes they're like... You mean ghost hunting yeah, shows? Yeah, ghost hunting shows, yeah. Do you think they put those out to dismiss everybody else and just make it seem like it's goofy? Because sometimes you're watching, you're like, again. There might be ghosts out there, right? I mean, like, well, yeah, you talked real, but real. But we have, there's a guy out there that gets possessed by old ladies all the time. Oh, that's like the gotten worse. Like, like, just Somebody's like he's just knitting. Like, dang, all I'm the possessed time. again. It's like, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's I'm, real. I mean, there, there are some shows that are real. But then and again, I, I, there are people that are in it that don't even believe in this stuff. Yeah. And what angers me, and and my friend over here that does it, it's in the same field I am. What angers me is going into homes and having victims of violent hauntings tell me, "Well, I saw that on a TV show that I'm supposed to do A, B, and C." And so they're learning from actors, yeah, and not through researchers. And that's the most damning aspect of this field. And my rant's over. Insanity, man. Great show, guys. This has been great. Final thoughts, everybody. Final thoughts. Paul, would you like to give any final thoughts? Yeah, take back your lives. Take back your lives. Take back, uh, you know, living it. Here's the thing fear is that is the number one currency with entities like that. Fear, they feed they, off fear, of it. They feed off of it. And, and I can, like I said, the second I reached my hand up and says, you know what? I can't pull myself up on my own. I need you to help me. That's when, that's when the game shifted. 
and then shifted off of that. And I was able to learn about who I was, what, what I was going through, and learned a practice that I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do, which is uh, working with uh, Reiki and working with meditation and working on helping people. That's like that. I'm grateful that I fell into that. But first, it took a small act of faith. And that's sometimes all that people need is that one act of faith. Nathaniel, final thoughts? I think, well, my final thought brings to mind what I was mentioning earlier about if you're called, if you are called to a purpose, most of the people I know that are addicted to drugs or OD or even have some form of addiction in their life, they medicate a gift they're called to manifest. Hmm. And at that moment, that gift will grieve like a death. It will hurt. It will hurt you in ways you're, you're not ready for. And so to those who are going to watch this podcast, invest in yourself, believe in yes. yourself, it's drama, heal it, yes. get, to find your, your moment and grow into it. So, so don't medicate what you're called to manifest. Manifest it and help other people That's right. grow into their own gift. That is wonderful. Guys, excellent show today. I loved it. These are, these are the shows that I think people need to hear mm-hmm. because there's some darkness out there. That's right. And right. you got to fight right. back and stop, stop, like, yeah, stop drugs, stop alcohol, man. It's going to, it's going to stop you from achieving your, mm-hmm. des- your destination, your, your destiny. Exactly. Not destination, but your des- destiny. Uh, one more time. Can you please tell us about your wonderful book that's coming out and when it drops? It's supposed to drop the 14th of this month. It's the skin that crawls. And uh, once I get it out, I'm, I'm dreaming of making it into a movie because I want to introduce the world to the Molter. It's different. It's inhuman. It's formerly human. It's everything. It's fascinating, but that's me. It's my book. He's Nathaniel Gillis. He came, he crushed. He is Paul Dion Jr. He came, he crushed. Guys, great show. Thank you guys so much for uh, Absolutely. joining us today. It's Forever. a wonderful show. I can, I could talk about this all day. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope to thank see you, you uh, on my live Zoom comedy show and in Cleveland on the 23rd. Thank you guys for all your kind words, and uh, we love you very much. I love you, Swarm, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody.